Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.34 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 30th day of May, 2023. This is episode 736 of Bitcoin, and my numbering is all jacked up because I skipped yesterday. I didn't bring you a show. It was Memorial Day. I figured everybody else is barbecuing. I might as well do the same, only I had to do it in my oven. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a sad day when you got to do a rack of pork ribs in your oven. But I will say this, I'll I'll give the oven method this. Tender ass ribs, man. There's just no smoke. And that's, God, that's like at least 30% of the whole deal. Another 30% of the whole deal is being outside on Memorial Day, enjoying the beautiful weather that is going on here springtime in the Palouse region of Eastern Washington, I can't, oh my God, it's like, it's so pretty, it's not even funny. It's ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Beautiful places on earth. I do miss Texas, but there are other beautiful places on the planet. And I should probably stop being such a cheesy bastard when it comes to not going to want to see them. Anyway, okay, so what, 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 what do we got going on today? Well, I got this really good news from the Noster report. Uh, This is basically reporting on Noster. I've been following this account since its inception. Uh, It's, I think, let's see, what is it? Noster report, N-O-S-T-R-E-P-O-R-T, I think is the handle. That's one of the problems that I get with some of these clients is that it doesn't really kind of show you the handle all that much so but if you if you you'll know the nostra report when you see it okay so anyway i want to tell you the news that they told everybody last night we are thrilled to announce that we've achieved a major milestone thanks to your incredible support we've already raised an impressive 50 percent of our funding goal to send mars to btc Prague. We have even applied for and received a press pass from BTC Prague to give you the best behind-the-scenes coverage. As you know, the Nostra Report has been at the forefront of covering top events like Nostrica 23 and BTC Miami. Now, we have an incredible opportunity to bring you the latest updates from the biggest European BTC conference next week. But here's the catch. We can't do it alone, and we need your help. By donating to our At Geyser Fund, you become an integral part of our mission to deliver unparalleled coverage of the fast-paced Nostraverse. Your contribution will directly support Mars's travel expenses, accommodations, and access to the conference. Help us on our mission to keep our community informed, empowering more people to understand and embrace the immense potential of Noster. Your support fuels our passion. 
ensures that our coverage reaches a wider audience, and helps us to bring you exclusive insights, interviews, and reports from BTC Prague. So let's unite in our shared vision of a future driven by innovation, decentralization, censorship, resistance, and value for value. Click the link below to donate today and help us reach our funding goal. Together, we can make this an incredible opportunity, a reality. Thank you for being part of our journey and for your continued support. We can't, we couldn't do it without you. And I'm going to take this link that they're giving me and I'm going to drop it right in the show notes as one of the topics for the day so that uh, you can donate to this. Because one of the things about the space that I have always appreciated is that as it grows, more people will support other people, whether it's you guys shooting me sats when you're listening to this on some kind of podcasting 2.0 app like fountain app, or if you know, like the companies in the space that, that sponsor other podcasters or sponsor reporters or however, whatever it is, you, I see continued growth in Bitcoiners, whether they're companies or solo supporting other Bitcoiners, whether they're companies or solo. And that's one of the things that's so very important about being careful who you do business with, what podcast you listen to. Shitcoinery, it, it, it will, since it always gets people into trouble and it always has, I, st- I don't, I, I'm never going to tell you to go buy some shitcoin. It's never going to happen. And Bitcoin only companies like, you know, CoinKite or, uh, Blockstream, for that matter, or even um, oh, Unchained, like Unchained Capital. You know, all these guys, you know why they survived all these bear markets? Because they're Bitcoin only and they're supported by Bitcoiners and they in turn turn around and support Bitcoiners. It's important that you stay as far away as you possibly can from shitcoinery because what they'll tell you to do is go buy Solana or some other shitcoin, and then the next thing you know, you end up, you know, wrecked AF. But we've got other fish to fry. Before I do, congratulations to the Nostra report. Congratulations to Mars, because I think that they're going to hit that goal. I think that they're going to be able to do this. I think they're going to be able to send her over to Prague to go to the BTC Prague conference. God knows, I wish I, I, I wish I could go to some of these conferences, but expenses are what expenses are. And, you know, that's just, that's, if you're ever wondering why the hell I'm not there, it, that, that's why (laughs) it's not because I don't want to go. It's just because it's like, wow, that's thousands of dollars to, to do something like that. I got, I got mouths to feed. All right. So Bitcoin magazine, BTC Casey, Bitcoin core version 25.0 released, bringing new features and transaction use cases. Bitcoin Core version 25 has just been released, bringing new features, bug fixes, and performance improvements to the software. Users can now download the latest version from the official Bitcoin Core website or update their existing installations. The release notes outline the changes and provides instructions on how to upgrade. One notable change is the allowance of transactions of non-witness size 65 bytes and above, which opens up brand new use cases and enhances protections against vulnerabilities like CVE 2017-12842, which was a zero day. 
uh, zero day bug. Another addition is the ScanBlocks RPC, which allows for fast wallet rescans by returning relevant block hashes from a set of descriptors. In terms of RPC updates, all JSON RPC methods now accept a new parameter called args, A-R-G-S, for passing positional parameter values conveniently. Additionally, the Verify Chain RPC will now return false if checks couldn't be completed at the desired depth and level, providing more accurate feedback. The release also includes changes to the build system, updated settings, and new features. For instance, the shutdown notify option allows users to specify a command to execute before Bitcoin Core begins its shutdown sequence. In the wallet section, new options like minconf and maxconf have been added to various RPCs, providing greater control over UTXO confirmations. Bitcoin Core 25 introduces several improvements and optimizations, enhancing the user experience and security of the software. As with any release, users are encouraged to report any bugs they encounter to the official GitHub issue tracker. Bitcoin Core is widely supported and tested on major operating systems such as Linux, Windows, Mac OS. However, it is not recommended to use Bitcoin Core on unsupported systems. Users should ensure they are running compatible operating systems before upgrading to the latest version. In addition, users are encouraged to review the release notes for a detailed understanding of the improvements in this version if upgrading. All right, so Bitcoin 25.0 is now released. It's out in the wind. What do you do? Cool your heels. Instead of immediately upgrading, you should wait. If you're if you're running a, a a full a Bitcoin full node, just hang back a little bit, okay? Let's let the earlier testers, and that's one of the the, the people that do automatically install this are doing it because they're going to pull this thing apart, and they know how to do it, and I don't know how to do it, so therefore I am going to wait to install Bitcoin 25.0 until I get enough feedback from, you know, from the field that says, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's kosher. It's safe. There's not any problems. I usually wait about a month, you know, your, your mileage may vary. So just be aware of that situation. Where the hell's my phone? God dang it. (laughs) I, I, I need my phone. I'm expecting a phone call. Hold on. Yeah, I got an air conditioner out in one of the vehicles and it's in the shop just waiting for them to tell me, you know, the bad news. <laughs> so I need my phone so I can, uh, you know, do that whole thing. Now, sorry, uh, distractions aside, um, most Bitcoin inscriptions, we're going to get into a little bit of ordinals here with block 21M. Most Bitcoin inscriptions belong to a single person or entity. Ooh, well, that's interesting. Let's find out what these guys found out. Take it with a grain of salt because I can't verify this, but uh, looking through what they're saying, uh, I don't know, man, this, this looks interesting. The TLDR is this. We have analyzed all ordinal inscriptions created since Bitcoin block 779832, which marks the introduction of the BRC20 standard, it appears that 80% of all inscriptions created in early to mid-May 2023 belong to a single person or entity that controls a single public key. 
And then that key is given. I won't read it because it's just a bunch of letters and numbers. Between March 7th, 2023 and May 25th of 2023, this entity accounted for 64% of all inscriptions. Their transaction fees amount to 1,056 BTC. Let's read that one more time. Their total transaction fees amount to 1,056 Bitcoin, single-handedly influencing the regime of the entire blockchain. I disagree wholeheartedly with the last part of that sentence, by the way. Is it a valid transaction? If the answer is yes, nobody is influencing anything. That's, I'm sorry, but it's a valid transaction is a valid transaction under the Bitcoin consensus rules. So who's anybody to say what regime is influencing what? Or what person is influencing what regime? That's, I wholeheartedly disagree with that sentence. <clears throat> now, details. We are developing a high-performance Bitcoin blockchain analyzer that we plan to open source. Our aim is to provide regular Bitcoin users with tools to research their transactions and see what kind of information proprietary chain analytics companies sell to their high-profile clients, and this is our first post. During our test runs, which parsed and printed transcripts in the P2TR script path transaction inputs, we noticed that a script feature featuring the same public key dominated all tap scripts. The script matched this pattern, and then they give a pattern of a bunch of opcodes in order, and I won't read them to you. You can view this script in the input zero of transaction, and then they give a transaction address. I won't read that because it's a bunch of letters and numbers. We found 8.8 million occurrences of this same pattern in all tap scripts in the block range 779832 to 791373. That was on May the 25th, 2023. We recognize this as a modification of the standard ORD wallet inscription script. However, the script does not appear to be produced by the standard ORD wallet as it contains extra ops like op push byte and op drop. Since the mine transactions contain valid signatures for the single pub key, we conclude that all of these inscriptions are controlled by a single private key belonging to an entity that signed all of these transactions. When we counted all occurrences of the standard ORD wallet inscriptions pattern, and then they give another kind of pattern, plus this non-standard inscription pattern with extra opcodes uh, where the op push bytes and op drop opcodes and others pub keys in the same block range we found a total of only 5.6 million occurrences of other inscriptions in other words the entities inscriptions with the pub key dominate accounting for 64 percent of all inscriptions dude are you kidding me this is one i think they're right Given what the, because they're looking for a specific pattern in the way these things are done, and that pattern is exactly the same 64% of the time. It's the same pub key. This is one person. Now, when I say, is it a valid transaction? And if the answer is yes, then too bad. I'm sorry for you. you go cry, dial 1 800 cry harder and go talk to customer service. It does not mean that this doesn't look like an attack by a single individual 
who is that individual? Well, that's the one of the other points is that we don't know. We can't really tell. Maybe he'll, you know, he or she will make a mistake and somehow or another dox themselves and we'll find out. But until that day, we don't know who's doing this. But it does look awfully convincing that this is a single entity that has the majority of all these inscriptions. It'll be interesting to find out where that goes. Uh, let's see. We, we leave the conclusions to the reader. However, we notice that by spending only 0.005% of the total Bitcoin supply on transaction fees, a single entity can significantly impact the entire blockchain regime. Again, I disagree. This illustrates that if a whale or a governmental actor possessing hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin decides to spam the blockchain, they could impede its usability for normal payments. This vulnerability may partly be due to the discount for witness V-bytes and SegWit along with relaxed witness size restrictions in the P2TR or pay-to-taproot transaction scheme, although further research on the transaction fee market is needed for the raw data, please see, and then they give uh, a, an actual link. And now there'll be a link to this, this thing that I just read in the show notes, and you can open that up and then scroll to the bottom and get the link to the raw data, but they are providing it. Now, okay. We've always known that this, this vector of attack is a valid attack vector. And we knew this well before inscriptions, ordinals, BRC20, what have you. We saw it happening on Ethereum blockchain, right? And we saw what it was doing there. And it was very clear that if somebody wanted to get, you know, wanted to get a I don't know, their panties all in a snit and do it on, on Bitcoin, they could spam the tra- they could spam with transactions. And that indeed was being done. We think that it was being done by Roger Ver during the 2016-2017 time period during the block size wars to enhance his argument that we needed bigger blocks. Where am I going with this? We're looking at another block size war. I'm not saying that it will happen. I'm saying that it's sort of like reporting or uh, trying to predict the weather. The conditions are right for a big storm. Does that mean that the big storm will actually occur? No, not at all. It just means that the conditions are right. And what I'm seeing is a replay of the 2016-2017 timescale that occurred right before we hit the peak of $20,000 per Bitcoin, and it was exactly during the time that Roger Ver's main argument was, look at all these transactions. It, I mean, oh my, oh my God, it's, it's screwing up uh, fees. And fees weren't even close to as bad as they were. Well, I mean, they, were, they weren't as bad back then, given the amount of money that Bitcoin is worth, but you need to figure out what road you want to take on, on viewing that. Um, in, in either event, We've had this happen before. And there was a singular actor. I really believe that it was Roger Ver that was doing this. Just so many transactions, clogging up the mempools, making transactions difficult, raising fees, and lo and behold, he's got a solution. Again, we come to the Hegelian dialectic. There's a problem. I have a solution. But when you're the same person that causes the problem, you're acting in an unethical manner. All right. How does this, how does this work out? I don't know. 
I, and nobody else does either. You're, you're watching something being born. Yeah, the birth is a long process. We're, what, 14 years in. Uh, we're not done being born yet, ladies and gentlemen, and we probably won't be done being born until a very long time after this particular episode of the podcast. Be aware, stay vigilant, buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin. I don't know what else to tell you because there is no 1-800-CRY-HARDER-FOR-BITCOIN's customer service department. It doesn't exist. I can almost guarantee you that what will happen is that you will start seeing people, you know, mostly influencers, start talking about a block size increase on Bitcoin. Uh, My node will never signal for a block size increase on Bitcoin. Never going to happen. All right. Now, Umbral has made their big announcement that they were teasing throughout the weekend and yesterday. Umbral announces new Umbral Home plug and play server. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Umbral, the company behind Umbral OS, has introduced a new home server solution called Umbral Home with the intent of providing users control over their data, privacy, and digital lives, according to a press release. Priced at $699, Umbral Home is aimed at making self-hosting accessible to everyone. By leveraging Umbral OS, users can eliminate the need for third-party cloud services by utilizing a wide range of self-hosted apps available in the Umbral App Store, including a Bitcoin and Lightning node, NextCloud, Plex, and Home Assistant. According to the press release, Umbral Home offers accelerated performance featuring a 2.9 gigahertz quad-core Intel CPU, a 2 terabyte SSD, 16 gigabyte dual-channel RAM, and an active cooling system while consuming just 10 watts of power. This compact home server outperforms a Raspberry Pi 4-based solution in terms of CPU performance, SSD read and write speeds, RAM and memory bandwidth and release states. Mayank Chabra... Umbral's co-founder and CEO highlighted the company's vision for Umbral Home, saying that building a plug-and-play home server that was specifically engineered for Umbral OS has been a dream since day one. With the recent challenges in Raspberry Pi pricing and supply chain, we knew it was time to bring our vision to life, set a new benchmark in self-hosting, and make it accessible to all users of all skill levels, end quote. With privacy and data ownership concerns on the rise, self-hosting presents a modern solution that allows users to take ownership of their data, storage, access, and sharing. In addition, Umbral's home, Umbral Homes Zero configuration and one-click app installations from the Umbral App Store make it an easy build and a customizable ecosystem tailored to individual needs. Pre-orders for Umbral Home are now available on Umbral.com. Okay. Oh, shipping. But oh, I forgot. Shipping is set to begin June of this year. So this next month. Okay. So here's the thing. Last week, <clears throat> I told you about the Start 9 announcement of the Start 9 Lite, I think is, is the name of it. Um, it is pretty much the exact same thing. I don't know. I, I can't remember if it's based on a Raspberry Pi 4 or not. I think it is. It looks like the home server uh, landscape is starting to heat up. So you got Umbral releasing this thing for 700 bucks the week after Start 9 released basically kind of the same thing uh, for $200. So there's a $500 differential here between these two units. Now, I have not used a Start 9 anything. I, I 
am very, I am very interested in purchasing their $200 uh, model just to start getting into start nine, because I have been following that company since I first saw um, uh, Matt Hill talk at BitBlock Boom three years ago. And I've been following them ever since. And they keep seemingly to turn out high quality uh, units. They, it seems like everybody that uses it is really happy with their home service solutions. So I'm interested in that, but 700 bucks is a, that's a little too pricey for me. So now it causes me a situation where I got to go look at the detailed specifications between the umbral home and the start nine light. Because honestly, I've always had really good luck with a Raspberry Pi 4. Some people absolutely hate them. I don't know why, but I can only assume it's because they're a much more advanced user than I am. But I have never had problems with my Raspberry Pi 4. It doesn't overheat. It doesn't, the fan doesn't get loud. You know, I've got it. Of course, I bought a decent fan for it. So there's that. But in either event, it, it just hums away. And I've been, I've been, of course, then again, I don't have to use it as a server. I'm just using it for Bitcoin Core and my Lightning Node. That's it. I don't, well, in a Spectre wallet, but I don't really use it for anything else. A home server is different, especially if you've got like a password manager and you've got to access that thing from, you know, 400 miles away or like 20 miles away and you got to do it over the internet and stuff like that. Then you got to make sure that your thing is always on. Uh, UPS ba power backup is, is clearly in order for these kinds of things. So since I've never used it in that capacity, I have no idea what a Raspberry Pi based home server functions like. So I don't know but I'm very close to buying the start nine rig just because 200 bucks and all the stuff that it comes with sounds pretty good to me. Now, speaking of, well, giving your Bitcoin for goods and services in a circular economy, we have this one, how I preserve my wealth with Bitcoin. Well, if you're kind of not preserving wealth, if you're spending it on, on stuff, but Hey, you know, everybody's got to buy something at one point or another. Good old Bitcoin. Oh, by the way, this is written by uh, Constantin Rabin, and it's from Bitcoin Magazine. Good old Bitcoin, the granddaddy of cryptocurrency, is increasingly being used as a reliable store of value for those looking to move away from the more established asset classes as it is continually proving itself as a solid hedge against inflation. In fact, there is something I have been doing for some time now, and in this article, I will explain why I allocate a share of my wealth to Bitcoin and how I see it as ideal for preserving the value of my net worth. So why allocate a share of your wealth to Bitcoin? Despite the volatility and fear-mongering that is prevalently posturized when talking about Bitcoin as a revolutionary investment vehicle, there is plenty to be said about why it is a valid contender in this market. It should be noted that no investor worth their salt would tell you to put your life savings into crypto, but there is plenty of upside potential for those looking to make long-term returns or preserve a portion of their wealth this way. Let me just mention a few of these advantages that make this investment in Bitcoin worth looking more deeply into. An alternative store of value. Bitcoin is as good as it gets when looking for a store of value outside third-party manipulations. Being decentralized means that it circumvents many of the red tape aspects and fees that come with leaving your money in the hands of financial institutions. 
As a result, it's not subject to the same inflationary pressures that are so prevalent with companies operating in the government-controlled fiat currency system. Potential for long-term growth. There's no doubt that Bitcoin's value is extremely volatile in the short term, but its long-term trend has historically been a fairly bullish affair. The idea of hodling comes into play here as you will really only be able to see the true value of your investment when ignoring the spikes and holding on for dear life. Diversification. As I said before, investing in Bitcoin does not mean that you dump all of your hard-earned eggs into the chaotic basket that is crypto, but you can provide some much-needed future-oriented diversification for your investment portfolio. As Bitcoin's price is increasingly uncorrelated to those of traditional assets such as stocks and bonds, adding some of these digital coins to your portfolio can help spread out the overall risks that your investments might face from the old guard. In fact, what we have seen over the past few years is that Bitcoin has become a new sort of semi-safe haven asset class which many investors flock to the moment that old school investment vehicles and fiat currencies come under pressure. And accessibility. This goes down two lanes. On the one side, investing in Bitcoin is becoming easier to do with many platforms and exchanges now offering a simple and secure way to buy and hold your Bitcoin. While at the same time, it has never been easier to liquidate this asset and get fiat cash in hand when the need arises. This scores a massive point over the stock, bond, or real estate markets, which are forever plagued by liquidity issues, especially in times of large-scale financial instability. In the long run, spending a share of your income on BTC is unlikely to make you poor. On the flip side, not allocating anything to BTC might ruin your prosperity, especially in these uncertain times when banks can go bust without warning, inflation seems to be ever on the rise, and several countries witness their free fiat currencies turn into toilet paper. In the pursuit of acquiring Bitcoin, there are always the obvious channels of hitting up some form of cryptocurrency exchange or peer-to-peer -peer marketplace and just exchanging fiat for BTC. While there's nothing wrong with this approach and it might be the easiest and perhaps the only option for many people out there, it is, in my humble opinion, not the best way to get your coins for wealth preservation. You could instead go the route of the miner and spend a large fortune by buying all the equipment needed and try to mine some Bitcoin that way. But in this day and age, with the average mining cost per coin being over $30,000 in many countries, it is more likely that you will end up with zilch long before you ever mined your first coin. So what would I suggest? Earn it. Sure, not everyone can convince their boss to pay them in Bitcoin, but these days, many people have a side hustle, hustle that can easily be employed in gen gen generating some digital dosh. Five years ago, offering your clients the ability to pay in crypto for your service was a non-existent concept, but today it's a no-brainer. Right now, a large number of my clients, especially those operating in the online world, are really into paying for services via crypto. While most of them like to use stablecoins such as USDT, you can easily flip these over to BTC and keep padding your Bitcoin wallet. One more notable online activity that I partake in to stack some BTC is for the over 18 year olds only. No, I don't mean only fans. I do some work in and around the gambling industry and I also enjoy a bit of a gamble myself from time to time, but I solely gamble for Bitcoin. Bitcoin betting sites have been gaining traction lately thanks to their ability to protect privacy, offer deals, and general improvements over the annoying bureaucracy inherent in fiat betting sites. Obviously, I don't recommend gambling to anyone.
But this is something that I enjoy occasionally, such as when my favorite UFC fighter jumps into the octagon as it adds a bit of excitement while watching the fights. And obviously the winnings are added to my wealth preservation BTC fund. You might be wondering why I'm hammering on Bitcoin and not paying much heed to the rest of the crypto pack. Frankly, as most of the top tokens are following the Bitcoin price like a donkey chasing a carrot, I don't typically diversify things or allocate a share of my crypto investments into other major coins or tokens. And don't get me wrong, I, I believe that some of the cryptocurrencies out there are useful, but as Bitcoin is what determines the value of many of the top dogs on the list, sticking with BTC as my investment coin just makes sense. Now, let's get down to business. Here is my advice for preserving wealth via Bitcoin based on my own strategy. Plan. Whether you are investing with fiat currencies that you get from working a day job or getting paid directly in crypto via your own projects, make sure you have a well-defined goal. Set certain annual or even quarterly amounts that you would like to reach and try your best to make it happen. Don't panic. Always work on increasing your BTC holdings and be ready to hodl until kingdom comes. Don't pay much attention to the fiat value and don't panic sell just because you see some of those crazy price swings that Bitcoin is so famous for. It's all good and well to compare exchanges and cryptocurrencies, but don't sit there stressing about where the price of BTC is sitting. Short-term dips are bound to come and go, but if you believe in BTC as much as I do, then rest assured that your wealth is being preserved. Keep in mind that there are only 21 million BTC available, ever. As this is a finite supply and the world's population is close to 8 billion, with more people being added every day, the value of this asset is sure to increase over time as more governments and people take hold of this new shift in finance. If and when fiat finally goes completely bust and Bitcoin takes over as a major currency, an average BTC per capita in the world is going to be around 0 0.0025, and you most certainly want to be in the top 5% of those holding it. <clears throat> Keep it secure. Bitcoin is digital. Hackers are always on the lookout for those who are not keeping a watchful eye on their money. So, to preserve my wealth safely, I keep all of my Bitcoin holdings in hardware wallets stashed in a, in a safe place. There are plenty of good exchanges and hot wallets to choose from, but if you're serious about preserving your wealth, keep it cold, keep it offline. Why you shouldn't wait to diversify. Allocating a portion of your wealth to Bitcoin can be an effective way to preserve it and even grow it. But as the saying goes, the best time to start is yesterday. The second best time is now. Don't wait for BTC to hit 50K before you suddenly wake up and start buying in. Set up a plan today and start diversifying your portfolio in this future-proof asset class so you know your wealth is safe, no matter how bad your government might be. All right, Constantine makes some really good points. The gambling aspect I don't recommend to anybody ever. I think gambling is a vice, and I don't think it's healthy. I think it has always been a vehicle to get wrecked AF with, and it's been, you know, here ever since, well, prostitution's been alive as a business. There's always gambling. People always lose well more than they can afford. It's not that I'm, it's, and I'm not even, I'm not even saying that gam gamblers are bad people. I'm just saying that 
if you don't gamble today, if that's not part of who you are, don't start for the love. I, I've seen it. I, I, two of my friends had their own bookie, for God's sakes. And I was like, are you kidding me? And this is Midland, Texas. Gambling is everywhere. You don't have to go to Vegas to gamble. You can find a bookie anywhere. Don't. It's not good for your health. Let's run the numbers. All right. Lots of stuff is getting hammered today. We'll start with West Texas Intermediate, which is getting hammered. It's down four and a half points to under 70 bucks now. $69.38. Brent Norsey, four and a half points to the downside to 73.58. Natural gas is doing what it does. 5.67% to the downside. $2.28 per thousand. And gasoline is down 4.19% to $2.59 a gallon. You probably will not see that be reflected at the pump. I'm just saying. Metals getting hammered, all except gold. So Peter Schiff is happy. Up three quarters of a point to $1,977.30. Silver is down half. Platinum is down a half. Copper is down a half. And palladium is down 2.25%. Uh, ag is basically getting wasted as well. The only winners today are cotton and cocoa. Coco, co- uh, cotton is the biggest winner, one and a quarter percent to the upside. Biggest loser today is going to be wheat, 3.77% to the downside. Lumber is down a half point. Now, what? Oh, live, I'm sorry. Live cat, the livestock stuff is actually going up today. So, live cattle is up 1.15%. Lean hogs are up 6 in a third point. Feeder cattle are up one and a half. Dow is down a third of a point. S&P is up scant. NASDAQ is up 0.69%. And the S&P mini is down 0.11%. Now, 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 what, what could be causing these problems? Could it be the debt ceiling? Dun, dun, dun. Treasury yields stumble as investors anticipate debt ceiling deal vote. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. But this is what's going on. CNBC, and it's written by Sophie Kinderlin and Alex Haring. United States Treasury yields fell on Tuesday as markets reopened after being closed for Memorial Day on Monday and investors braced themselves for a vote on a debt ceiling deal ahead of the June 5th deadline. Keep June 5th in mind. Well, if I remember, I'll come back to it. The yield on the 10-year treasury was down by almost 10 basis point to 3.72%. The two-year treasury was trading more than seven basis point lower at 4.51%. The yields and prices move in opposite directions and one basis point equals 0.01%. Over the weekend, President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy reached an agreement to raise the debt ceiling. That came after Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said Friday that the United States would default on its debt obligations as early as June 5th, several days later than the previous June 1st deadline. A vote on the deal is expected to take place Wednesday in the Republican-controlled House of Representatives and later in the week in the Senate, which is controlled by the Democrats. A group of Republicans said Monday they would not agree to the deal, suggesting that there was a way to go before it's approved. However, 
Politicians from both sides of the aisle said they expected a resolution to be found, and analysts appeared positive about a deal being approved ahead of the deadline. Elsewhere, investors digested April's personal consumption expenditures price index that on Friday came in at 0.4% on a monthly basis, which was higher than expected. The index is the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge. So, yeah, it's the debt ceiling thing is causing people to become really jittery. So why why the energy market's freaking out? Ah, because of June 4th. What happens on June 4th, which is the day before June 5th? And what happens on June 5th? We're going to run out of money. So they better have the debt ceiling deal finished and like some kind of solution, right? Well, the day before is the OPEC plus meeting. And there's a lot of people that are adding to their short positions, thinking that the Secretary of Energy of Saudi Arabia is bluffing when he said that they're going to cut production again. And he didn't actually say that. What he said is he was going to put the ouchness or ouchiness on short sellers and that he was going to bring the pain. And I interpret that because he specifically called out the short sellers. I interpret that that they're going to cut production or he's saying that that's what they're going to do. It looks like the short sellers, somehow or another, being influenced by the fact that the debt ceiling talks are in the mix and everything's coming to a head here in like, you know, next week or what? Well, June the 5th. Uh, yeah, they're, I think they're trying to call this guy's bluff. But here's the problem. They're sitting on an ocean of oil. And if they can get a better price for it in the future, and they usually always do, then it's no skin off their nose to cut production because they've made a uh, an epic boatload of money. I'm trying not to curse as much. An epic boatload of money over the past couple of decades. They kind of don't need it. And what else is this? OPEC holds a lever on the inflation of the United States citizenry. They cut production. And that price goes to 100 Some people have even called for $200 oil. What does that do to us walking around trying to get a hamburger? Inflation starts getting hot real quick. I, I don't know if he's bluffing or not. My gut feeling is that he's not. But we'll have to see. But this is all being taken together. And that's the, the markets are just a mess today. Just an absolute freaking mess. But we have Bitcoin sitting at $27,722. That is after 362,000 BTC of exchange hands in the last 24 hours with an average transaction value of 0.7 BTC and a median transaction value of $14.8. Yay. <laughs> Block times are still low. Nine minutes and 25 seconds. We have 0.48 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 73 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Hash rate is past 400 to 406 exahashes per second after a 6.32% rise in said hash rate. Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator is back at 7.2 United States pennies. So do that do with that what you will. We have a $536.9 billion market cap. 
uh, we that is 4.08% of gold's entire market cap, and you can get 14.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,388,086.96 of, and 5,353.1 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at 148.2 million dollars. We have 71,449 payment channels that we can see, and 63.8% of all of the Lightning Network is being run over Tor. Looks like uh, there is a 3.1% estimated difficulty change incoming tomorrow. That would be 3.1% to the upside. Your mempool is probably packed and stacked, just like mempool.space's mempool is packed and stacked. Got a low priority fee of 50 Satoshis per V-byte, but a high priority fee of only 55 Satoshis per V-byte. So pretty compressed fee ranges from low priority to high priority. There are 230 odd blocks carrying 301,000 unconfirmed transactions at this time. And at this time, I am down out of the top 10 and fountain charts again, even after all of your help. I just can't hold in. I can't hold in to that, that top 10 spot, man. And I, so I, once again, I am, I am asking for your help in trying to get me into the top 10. And Yegro came through for me with the boob boost. 8008 says, I wasn't expecting too much, but you gave me one hell of a shout out. So I feel compelled to give you a boob. Ah, you're, you're welcome, Yegro. It's just Bitcoiners trying to help other Bitcoiners, man. Henry G. QJ uh, says, with a boob sat, have another boob. They should always come in pairs. Dubrovko replies by making me thirsty. <laughs> Jory, <clears throat> George X McKee with 2001 says, good catch on the resume BS on that Swami dude. I have a Bitcoin single issue voter t-shirt that I'll be wearing next summer, but realize that all politicians, especially adhere to St Sturgeon's law, 90% of everything is crap. <laughs> Stephen Gornick with 2000 Sat says, as likely the first person to ever have donated Bitcoin to a presidential candidate, you absolutely nailed it. Don't give over your energy to these politicians. They do not matter one bit. Only Bitcoin matters. I agree. Nick underscore dose with 1369 says, cheers. Dubrovko with 1000 says, regarding politicians, we have to meet the shit bags where they are. SBF made that a lot more difficult. Cheers to the Bitcoin Policy Council, or whatever their name is, for working that bit of education. Our politicians can't really make life too tough for Bitcoin itself, but they can make it more so for us. Things cannot be regulated, only the people that want to possess the thing. Yeah, he's right. It's like Bitcoin cannot be regulated. Your access to it might be. Just be aware. It's two-way street on this. Uh, Pies with a thousand says your breakdowns and explanations of topics in Bitcoin and society are super informative and entertaining. Over the past few weeks, this show has skyrocketed into my top three Bitcoin slash live podcast. Dude, that is awesome to hear. Every day that I read anything that even remotely approaches something of that kind of praise, it makes me smile. And when I smile, I want to make other people smile. I'm just saying. God's death with 370 says, as always, thank you again, sir. And Kvart Beer Born says with 250 Satoshis, I've been doing Bitcoin stuff and stuff while getting my PhD in astrophysics, running my multi-billion dollar company and avoiding the CIA. It isn't that hard. 
Now, give me a mentally disabled crypto bro to kiss. Fucking ridiculous. People on Noster licking Bobby's ass. Disgusting. This guy's would suck us dry to the marrow just for a bit of power. Yeah, see, I want to like Robert Kennedy Jr., but I don't trust him. I've wanted to like a lot of people that are, that are in politics. And then they get what they want, and then they forget everything that they ever told anybody that they were going to do for him. And Bobby Kennedy, he's the same kind of person. I hope I'm wrong about that. I, I hope he wins the nomination. I hope he gets to be president. And I hope I actually watch a guy say or do what he said he was going to do for the first time in my life. What's my gut feeling? This shit ain't going to happen. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. How Bitcoin can preserve the life savings of refugees. Bitcoin Magazine and Yosef Tetik is writing this one. Suppose you lead an ordinary family life in an undisclosed country. Suddenly, a crisis hits. This could be the rise of an autocratic regime, a democide, or an armed conflict. Whatever the circumstances, you will most likely have two pressing problems on your mind. First and foremost, you need to get everyone to safety, preferably abroad. Second, you need to preserve as much of your savings as possible to set up your life elsewhere. Since a safe escape from a disaster-stricken country depends heavily on individual circumstances, this article will focus on a savings preservation strategy that is globally applicable. You guys over in Africa whatever country in Africa that you're in and some of the uh, Latin American countries, I would take note. Real estate. Well, let's actually, I, I, I screwed that one up, but I'm not, I'm not going to try to correct myself. They were doing it live, baby. Preserving your savings the traditional way. Protecting the value of one's savings while fleeing a country has never been easy. Those fortunate enough to have had any wealth before a crisis strikes may find it difficult to save it when there is a sudden need to leave. So here is where we get into real estate. So you own your house. And chances that you have benefited greatly from the easy money policies of the past decade, as it has grown a lot in value over the years. You may be moderately well off on paper, but how easy is it to actually turn your house into money in a very short time frame? The market demand might be heavily impacted by the very crisis that is forcing you to flee. For example, in a case of a foreign invasion, the demand for houses in the affected region will come to a halt, while the number of homeowners looking to sell will skyrocket. So unless you foresaw a crisis looming ahead and you sold before everybody else did, chances are you won't be able to extract much of your home's value when you need it the most. Savings in the bank? Ah, Let's say that you had the good foresight and you did sell your house in time. Now you have a lot of money in the bank. Again, if the crisis affects the entire country, chances are you won't be able to withdraw or move your money fast enough. There are many examples in history where a, quote, bank holiday was announced and depositors were denied their money when they needed it the most. One of the more recent examples comes from Lebanon, where banks simply shut their doors and the ATMs to prevent clients from withdrawing their money in the midst of an ongoing economic crisis. If you think you can protect yourself against a national currency's devaluation by owning a dollar account, you better think twice. 
In Lebanon, the dollar accounts were forcefully converted to a Lebanese pound that had lost 90% of its value against the dollar since 2019. In fact, bank accounts may not be safe anywhere as banks around the world operate in a fractional reserve mode, making them vulnerable to runs and subsequent collapses. Recent collapses of a trio of U.S. banks, Silvergate Bank, Signature Bank, and Silicon Valley Bank have proven this vulnerability. However, it's worth noting that there is usually a several days delay between an emerging crisis and a full-blown bank holiday. If you suspect that banks might prohibit you from accessing your money soon, you can use this window of opportunity to withdraw your money in the form of cash or quickly convert it into Bitcoin while it's still possible. Now let's talk about cash. Let's say you did withdraw all of your money from your house and you kept it in cash. Hopefully it's in dollars or euros, as otherwise it might be hard to find a, you know, use for your local currency abroad, especially if the crisis that forced you to leave impacts the exchange rate as it often does. The Ukrainian hyvnia, or hyvnia, I can't pronounce that word, hyvnia, has devalued by 25% since the start of the Russian invasion. Traveling with large amounts of dollars or euros also involves risk. The first of those risks is theft either by common criminals or corrupt border patrols. The second risk is that you're, if you're traveling with cash worth more than $10,000 of the equivalent in euros, you need to declare them when crossing the borders of many countries, including the United States, and failure to declare can result in the confiscation of the full amount. Did you know that the U.S. Customs Guards confiscate more than $200,000 from travelers on every average day? And if you do, in fact, declare that you're traveling with large amounts of cash, you never know where that information might end up. Sensitive data that is collected can also leak. For example, in 2020, there was a major leak of detailed personal data, including the property records of 200 million Americans. Criminals can use this data for targeted attacks. Yeah, yeah, they certainly can. Cash is also getting gradually useless in the Western world. In the Euro area, cash usage fell from accounting for... 72% of all point-of-sale transactions in 2019 to 59% in 2022. And this trend is encouraged by governments that impose strict cash limits. So even if you make it abroad with your savings in the form of cash, you'll likely need to set up a bank account fast, which might not be a straightforward or easy task for a new migrant. Well, there's gold. Gold used to be the most popular way to transfer value intact in the past, given that it has worldwide demand and can be sold at relatively little discounts, assuming investment-grade coins or bars are being used. Gold is also quite dense in value, as the price of one kilogram of gold is around $60,000 at the time of this writing. Otherwise, it faces the same risks as cash as it can be easily stolen along the way. Moreover, gold isn't accepted as a means of payment and it's not very divisible. So you'd need to exchange your full coins or bars into the local currency after you arrive in your destination country. Stocks and bonds, yeah, they're great fair weather instruments, but they might become a useless, as useless as bank accounts when things get hairy. Local stocks and bonds will likely be worthless abroad and their value might be impacted by the given crisis. International financial instruments would fare better Though such instruments aren't available in most parts of the world, and even if they are available to you, access to these instruments may be affected by newly imposed sanctions. So the question is, does Bitcoin fix this? 
You might have noticed that all the usual instruments for wealth preservation have common traits in the form of limited transferability and or value tied to a specific location or jurisdiction. Physical instruments such as cash and gold always carry a risk of loss or theft along the way, while intangible instruments such as real estate, bank accounts, and stocks are, for the most part, valuable only locally. Bitcoin indeed fixes this. First, Bitcoin is intangible and is therefore very easy to transfer. You can either send Bitcoin to anyone globally within minutes, or you can remember the recovery seed and literally carry the Bitcoin in your head. Compared to other intangible assets such as bank or brokerage accounts, there is no counterparty risk. You never need to worry about your money becoming inaccessible due to bank holidays, institutional failures, or newly imposed sanctions. Second, Bitcoin is a global asset, and as such, its value isn't linked to any specific jurisdiction. A good example of this fact is the 2021 Bitcoin mining ban in China, which seemed like a big deal at the time, since most Bitcoin mining operations were indeed located in China. Nevertheless, Bitcoin miners simply moved elsewhere, and there was virtually no impact on the price. Bitcoin is a global asset, but unlike gold, it can be bought or sold in all kinds of ways. On regulated exchanges, on decentralized exchanges, in ATMs, or from person to person, and the chances are you will face a minimum spread on your exchanges. Bitcoin's intangibility, zero reliance on third parties, and global liquidity make it a perfect candidate for saving preservation in critical situations. So, what are the specific methods for using Bitcoin when fleeing a country? The main concern when traveling with Bitcoin is to eliminate a single point of failure. If you just write down your recovery seed and put it in your back pocket, you undertake great risk. As anyone who sees, takes, or photographs your recovery seed has the ability to steal all of your Bitcoin. To travel safely with Bitcoin, you need to minimize the possibility of loss or theft. And below are some tips. Bitcoin in your mind. To keep access to your Bitcoin, the only thing you need to do is remember your recovery seed, an ordered list of English words that is either 12 or 24 words long. Remembering 12 words is obviously easier than 24, so it's advisable to go for that option. Use a memory enhancement technique such as Memory Palace. If you're traveling with your family, have all the family members remember the same recovery seed. That way, if someone forgets some of the words, you'll still be able to reconstruct the full seed. This is almost like a multi-sig. After you memorize your seed, try recovering your Bitcoin in an offline wallet, preferably a hardware device. Once you're certain you have your recovery seed firmly embedded in your memory, wipe the wallet. If you want to carry your hardware wallet with you on travels, make sure it's wiped so that if you do lose it or if somebody takes it away from you, there's no possibility of its misuse. On arrival, recover your Bitcoin again in the wallet of your choice. Make sure you type in your seed in an offline environment, though. Don't rely on your memory for longer periods. Traveling in an adversarial environment is the only situation when relying on your memory might be a good idea, but aim to minimize the time span in which you store your recovery seed in your head. For long-term storage, always write your seed down, or better yet, stamp it or engrave it into steel. <laughs> yeah, that's another good way. Another way of transferring your wealth via Bitcoin is to simply send it as a Bitcoin transaction to somebody who you do trust. The person doesn't even have to be in the country you aim to travel to. The important thing is that they will be able to keep your Bitcoin safe during your travels and send it back to you when you're able to set up your new wallet in a safe environment. 
The most important factor here is trust. This may be off-putting to some, but the fact is that for some people, this may be the way to go if they don't have to rely on their memory and are certain that the person on the other side would never betray them. The person you're sending your Bitcoin to needs to be proficient in Bitcoin and ideally should own a well-backed-up hardware wallet. After all, you don't want them to hold your life savings on their mobile phones, right? If you want to increase the security of this process, you can do so via a multi-sig wallet. Let's say that you set up a two of three multi-sig wallet and transfer your Bitcoin into such a wallet. Now you can send one of the keys to person A, the second one to person B, and carry the third one with you. Person A and person B should not know each other so that there is no way to steal the Bitcoin that is stored in this way. And if you lose your key during your travels, you will still be able to recover your Bitcoin using the keys from person A and person B. You can set up your multi-sig wallet using Electrum, Sparrow, or Nunchuck. To distribute the keys, make sure you use a secure encrypted communicator such as Signal Messenger. Don't use Telegram as it isn't encrypted by default. Alternatively, you can utilize a Shamir backup, a cryptographically sound method for splitting your recovery seed into multiple shares. Let's say you do a two out of three Shamir backup. The next steps are the same as we described above with multi-sigs. It's advisable to reinforce the security of your Shamir backup by setting up a passphrase on top of it. Plausible deniability. It's a good word. Ideally, there should be no indication that you are a Bitcoiner. That means carrying no hardware wallets, having no Bitcoin stickers on your laptop or phone, not carrying Bitcoin books and deleting any Bitcoin cryptocurrency apps from your phone. Do not talk about Bitcoin with strangers or the border guards. If someone asks a seemingly innocent question about Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, act ignorant or just say that you think it's a scam. Simply said, you should look and act like a normie and don't rely on exchanges. Some readers might be tempted to use their Bitcoin exchange account. After all, you can log in, into it from anywhere in the world, right? I strongly advise against relying on exchanges with any portion of your savings. Aside from frequent exchange failures, <laughs> and you know who we're talking about, the exchange may block your funds. For example, because of sanctions or logging in from an IP address in the quote wrong country. In short, you should hold your Bitcoin on, if you hold your Bitcoin on an exchange, you don't really own it. Bitcoin is already used as a means of preserving one's savings in times of crises. In recent years, we have seen success stories of this kind from countries as diverse as Afghanistan, Venezuela, and Ukraine. Due to its global liquidity and direct controllability, Bitcoin is proving to be a valuable tool in critical situations. The more knowledgeable you are about the safe transfer of Bitcoin, the better prepared you'll be in the event of such a situation arising. And that's the end of the article, but I point to Sudan. Shit's going down in Sudan, and it's probably going to get worse. In fact, Ukraine, I think, I think that thing's tapped out as far as fear-mongering and Oh, chicane, general chicanery to keep the, you know, masses in line by distracting them or scaring them to death, you know, nuclear war and all that. Uh, next theater of operations for the United States is Sudan. And it's possible that Taiwan could be a, a theater as well. I'm not sure exactly how that is going to wrap out, but Sudan is lighting up. So if you're Sudanese, you're exp you may very well be experiencing this. I'm not there. I'm not seeing anything from there other than news reports. It seems bad, 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 bad. So this particular article 
is very important to the people that live in places like Sudan. There's bombs going off. Shit's going down. It doesn't look good. Get out, get out, get out. Then how? How do you get out with your wealth? There's so many stories of across time of all these people that found, you know, really ingenious ways to get their wealth across the border without somebody figuring out that they were carrying all their life savings, right? Guy Swan is one of, has one of my favorite stories about this, where a guy took all his wealth, sold everything, him and his wife sold everything that they owned, and he bought platinum. And he, I guess the guy worked in a, in a wire-making factory and put the platinum into the, I don't know, wire-making machine, and he made clothes hangers out of all the platinum and then painted them black and hung all, they hung all their clothes on it. They threw, you know, threw them in the, uh, in the boot of their car and drove across Germany into, uh, to get out over the border and they were stopped. And the guy's like, Hey man, you know, started looking through all their stuff. Didn't find anything of value, just a bunch of old clothes. And they said, you get the hell out of here. And he was able to preserve his wealth. Times are changed that we don't live in that world anymore. We don't live, we don't, we don't live anywhere close to that world anymore. Thankfully there's Bitcoin, but all of these techniques that are talked about should be practiced. That's, I think the biggest issue here. And not only that, it calls on people to be able to see into the future in ways that they're not used to seeing. You know, we don't, Something breaks loose in your country and you just wait and wait and wait and then it's too late because you think somebody's going to come help your ass and then nobody does. And we're just used to acting that way and it's time to start acting differently. Now, there's another method that can be used to get your shit across like you're a passphrase across borders. Uh, If one of your family members knows how to knit and knit well, learn how to knit code into your knitting like a scarf. It can be done. It can be done. In fact, it has been done ever since knitting was a thing. Back in the 17th century, you know, 18th, 16th century, people were sending coded messages inside of sweaters and scarves and socks and all kinds of shit simply by reversing or doing something different with a single knit and then using that reversing of knit or doing a, a different kind of stitch or something like that actually spelled out a word. If you had the, if you had the decoder, it's cryptography is important and it's why we have Bitcoin. It's the only, only way that we have Bitcoin is because of cryptography. We should probably start using it in different aspects of our lives. But for all the guys over there in Sudan, stay safe, brothers and sisters. And if you can get the hell out, do it now. Um, let's see, what are we doing here? Oh yeah. Let's, let's do this one. JP Morgan files a patent for chat GPT finance clone called index GPT. You knew it was coming, but you probably didn't expect it to come this fast. Decrypt Jason Nelson is writing it. Financial giant JP Morgan Chase filed a trademark application for a finance themed chatbot called index GPT earlier this month. According to the application filed on May the 11th with the Patent Trademark Office in the United States, the chatbot would be used for advertising and marketing services, an index of security values, and online financial information and investment advice. Oh, if you're going to take your advice from AI, I, you're 
dude, you're doomed. Quote, AI and the raw material that feeds it data will be critical to our company's future success, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon said in a letter to shareholders in April. The importance of implementing new technologies simply cannot be overstated. Yeah, technologies that you can control and use to control masses. You didn't want to take part in Bitcoin, Jamie, because you can't control it. But by God, AI, you can control a portion of that, can't you? See, these people are evil, dude. In a February survey by JP Morgan, more than half of the institutional traders surveyed said that artificial intelligence and machine learning would be the most influential technology in shaping the future of trading over the next three years, which is why you don't want to be trading over the next three years. As JP Morgan looks to leverage artificial intelligence in its financial systems, it said the company is dedicating over 2,000 data managers, data scientists, and machine learning engineers to build its AI capabilities, calling it inextricably linked with cloud-based systems, whether public or private, and digital capabilities. Quote, native cloud-based approaches will ultimately be faster, cheaper, and aligned with the newest AI techniques, and they will give us easy access to constantly evolving developer tools, Diamond said. Since the public launch of OpenAI's ChatGPT in November and its latest version, ChatGPT4, in March, companies worldwide have been in a race to develop tools based around AI in what has been likened to an arms race by Berkshire Hathaway chairman and CEO Warren Buffett. The financial industry has been particularly interested in AI's ability to process data. In March, an artificial intelligence engineer in the UK, Mayo Ocean, developed a bot named after Buffett to analyze large financial documents. While AI continues into the mainstream, more and more voices are sounding the alarm about the potential harm of unregulated artificial intelligence, including Microsoft President Brad Smith. Quote, Government needs to move faster, Smith said during a Thursday morning panel discussion in Washington, D.C. J.P. Morgan Chase declined Decrypt's request for comment. Okay, here it comes. It's moving faster than you can shake, than you can uh, wrap your mind around, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've told you guys don't sleep on this AI stuff. And I'm telling you again, but I'm going to recognize that, Jesus, now we have to be financial, you know, uh, uh, investors, or at least have that language so that now, so that we can command AI in the financial realm. I don't know what to tell you other than that's probably not going to happen. And and I understand your pain. I really do because I'm like going, well, fuck, you know what? None of us have a hope in hell of matching this shit. So here's what I think is going to happen now. This is not investment advice, but I'm not even going to say anything about buying a particular stock or, you know, that you should read Morningstar or something like that. That has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. I think that what happens here is that the trading house, either themselves or the owners of them, like whoever JP Morgan owns that does their trading in the stock exchange and commodities, that's the company that you invest in. I, if you want, if you want to go legacy, I'm just, if, if we should just buy Bitcoin, I get that part, but for whatever reason, if you just still want to be in legacy markets, I don't think you can trust being out there on the open water in a boat by yourself saying, you know, this cement company looks good. I read their financial. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's going to play anymore. Because now we're going to inject a shit ton of 
noise into the system and market it free markets the ability for the market to price itself goods and services is going to be corrupted even further i honestly think this is the worst idea i've ever heard in my entire life and it's going to get people smoking wrecked and i don't know how to stop it and well actually there's no way to stop it that's uh, that's the whole point that i'm trying to make you're not stopping this there's no 1-800 cry harder for customer service on ai bitcoin or anything it doesn't exist these people are cutting us loose these people don't care they're throwing us off the the deck of the titanic even though that we know all know what happens to the titanic but they're chucking us off before we even have a chance to get in the lifeboats unless you do what buy bitcoin hold bitcoin that's going to do it for the morning roundup First joke of the week from Dad Says Jokes. I've offered my elderly neighbor $20 to try out her stair lift. I think she's going to take me up on it. All right. So groaning, you know, once the groans subside there, um, what have we learned today? Uh, well, we're, we're no longer in a world where we can be lazy about noticing what's going on in macroeconomics macro political and geopolitical you know things it's things are breaking loose too easily and they're breaking loose too fast and they're breaking loose all over the place your country may be next how do you prepare to leave with at least a modicum of your wealth intact so that you can have a shot at starting starting over somewhere else right that's really the the, the whole theme here Right, we've got the debt ceiling freaking out in the United States. We've got the Saudi Arabia uh, energy minister rattling his saber. We've got the short sellers that are wanting to call his bluff, and I kind of don't think he's bluffing. And all that shit culminates right around the same forty-eight hour period, June fourth and June fifth. You know, it it also doesn't escape my attention that Janet um, inconceivably was wrong about her first prognostication about the debt ceiling uh, collapsing the country on June the 1st because we run out of money. Now she's extended it to June the 5th. Oh, how lucky the Senate and the House of Republicans or House of Representatives, sorry, House of Representatives are that she was able to uh, extend the deadline of Armageddon. It's all bullshit. And by the way, they're not lifting, they're not raising the debt ceiling. They're suspending it for two years. That's the deal that's on the table. And the Republicans wanted what? Free spending at current government spending limits right now. What you spent last year is what you get to spend this year and not a penny more. That was the compromise. And now we hear about the rattlings in the, of the GOP and they're not, some people are not happy about it. But honestly, everything that I've read is that this thing is going to pass and that it's actually a very small minority of Republicans that are bitching and chirping and moaning and crying and calling 1-800-CRY-HARDER. And this thing is going to pass, but it's not helpful. Well, it's helpful in the very short term because it kicks the can down the road, but you're going to run out of road. That road gets shorter and shorter and shorter every year, but we've got culminations of OPEC plus, the debt ceiling thing coming and they're all going to be within 48 hours of each other starting on June the 4th. So we got us in the short sellers, I, you know, they're in that mix too.
I, I don't know if it's going to be bad news or good news. I really don't. I, honestly, I don't care because why? I just buy Bitcoin and I hold Bitcoin. The problem is how to make sure I can get over a border with that Bitcoin. I'll see you on the other side of that. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.